Welcome to Simply Cyber. Good morning. Woo. All right. Good morning, folks. Today is Thursday, December 8th, 2022. Welcome to episode number 257 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier, and over the next 45 minutes, I'll be delivering the top cybersecurity news stories of the day and providing my expert analysis on each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner. So what can you do with this information today? Or if you're looking to break in the industry, you're going to get a lot of value. Terminology, current events, good networking. Sit, sit down, sit tight. Lean into this. You're going to love it. Now, before we get into it, I do want to shout out and give thanks much gratitude and love to the stream sponsors. Thank you so much, sponsors. You make it possible. Starting with our good friends, Eric Taylor and Barricades. What, what, is, what are you doing here? Eric Taylor and Barricade Cyber Solutions. Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. But Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents Check them out at barricadecyber.com. Links in the description below. If you're watching on stream right now, you you can see the website. A half a click, scroll down, boom, there's Eric's calendar. It's, it's literally the easiest interface ever to get a hold of a real person who really knows what they're doing if you're having to deal with a ransomware attack. Go check them out. I also want to give some love to Recon InfoSec, Eric Capuano and the whole gang over there. Down in Austin, TX, the, the, the fine state of Texas. Listen, if you're looking for help to augment your IT or security team with a fantastic, and I mean that, fantastic managed detection and response service, I encourage you to consider Recon InfoSec, right? Their offering includes the people, process, and technology needed to deliver full-spectrum SecOps to organizations of any size. One of the best things about Recon's MDR service is that they provide direct access to the Recon team of experienced SOC analysts, engineers, and architects anytime for any reason. They're literally interested in securing your business. Like, period, end of story, right? And they want you to feel comfortable, confident. They are a partner of your business, basically. They're not just some faceless conglomerate over here that you can't actually get to. They are right there, like basically a department in your in your business. <clears throat> this is on top of, mind you, fully managed SIM and SOAR, which gives you full visibility into their your own environment, as well as any incidents being investigated by the Recon SOC team. And guys, really, unlike many of the big um, commodity MDR services uh, that offer big promises, little value, Recon MDR takes a security-first approach that provides real answers and effective defense go to reconinfosec.com or use the links in the description below guys the deal is it is an mdr service if you don't know what that is google it but it's basically time shared infosec office period end of story all right good 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 now 
I want to remind you, if you hold professional certifications that require CPEs, each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing is worth half a CPE. So it stacks, because half a CPE, you're like, I don't get out of bed for less than one CPE, Jerry. It stacks. Two and a half a week, ten a month. Be sure to say what's up in chat, just like Carrie just did, Jenny Housley, Jeremy Williams, Marcus Seiler, Leonardo, Kuda. They're all saying what's up in chat, and if they ever get audited, they'll be able to point right back to that chat because it's burned into the stream and say, hey, auditor, here's my CPE. It's coming at me, bro. If you're live, love it. I see 84 of you. I'm sure more people will stagger in here as the morning begins. Thanks for being here so much. We're going to have a great show today. If you're on hashtag Team Replay, hashtag Team Replay in the chat. Thanks so much for catching up on the stream. And remember, y'all, if if the video version is not your speed or you're like in, you know, like at the gym or whatever, you don't want your phone to die because YouTube sucks up so much energy, there is an audio podcast app option. All you have to do is go to your audio podcast app of choice, type in Simply Cyber, right? Simple and boom. There you go. You whoops. That's not a good example. Boom. Uh okay, this is interesting. I'm getting all sorts of errors. Error, 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 error. So I, I don't know why it's happening. Long story short, you can get the podcast on various podcast apps of choice, okay? Doink. There you go. Get some. We post it. Look, December 7th was posted yesterday because we post it right after the show. All right. If you're watching on replay, you can jump right to the news. Otherwise, I'm going to spend literally 60 seconds having a sip of my coffee. I had some computer issues, classic, classic IT issues. Um, I went to go live and my uh, software that allows me to do all this fancy stuff was like, <laughs> time to update. No, no warning, no pop-up, no would you like to delay. Just, you know, cyber best practices. We're going to update your crap now. I don't care what you're doing. Now, move. All right. Uh, Dennis, no, the podcasts are not uploaded automatically. Uh, they are manually uploaded, which is tough. I tried to script it and did not work very well. So what, that's what happens. Hey, Joel Belton. Hey, Alicia Jerry. Hey, Regine Franklin. Good to see you, Tony Roy. Hey, Will Reed. It is CPE time. Will Reed, always wanting to smash that like button. Love it. Oh, my God. My wife got me this pullover, and I'm telling you what, this thing is thin, but it is heavy. I might not be able to keep this thing on. <laughs> Woo! It is warm. All right, Tom Bishop, good morning to you. Hey, oh, guys, it is Thursday, which means what's your meme Thursday? Dan Reardon, haircut fish in chat right now, has absolutely outdone himself with today's meme. You're going to love it. Stay tuned to the mid-roll. You're going to love today's meme presented by haircut fish. All right, y'all, set back, relax, and let's get into the news. Let's see what's popping in cyber world. From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. It's Thursday, December 8th, 2022. Pentagon awards cloud deal to four major providers. The Pentagon said Wednesday that Amazon, Google, Microsoft, and Oracle received the cloud computing contract that could total as high as $9 billion through 2028. The approach aligns to the U.S. Defense Department's strategy of relying on multiple remote technology infrastructure providers to improve resiliency. Back in 2019, the Pentagon awarded a cloud deal to Microsoft, but upon a series of challenges, including from AWS and Oracle, the agency expanded its requests for bids to include the four major tech giants. Yeah, so this is kind of a funny story, and I don't know if Kimberly's in chat, but this one is all about the money. Great cash, homie. Guys, 
So <clears throat> the U.S. government wants to get into the cloud, okay? This isn't really a cyber story per se, although it is noteworthy because as we get into, uh, if people work into the government and kind of the direction of the U.S. federal government, you're going to see this come up more and more. But here, here's, here's the TLDR. U.S. government, this is like two years ago or last year or something, U.S. government's like, listen, uh, in, like, let me back up for a second. The U.S. government, like, uh, they have employees and stuff, but for the most part, they bid stuff out, right? Which is why I always say, like, GRC auditing for uh, FISMA auditing, CMMC, uh, doing uh, government work is, is a good avenue to get started because they bill it out and it's just contract labor and the, those professional services firms get paid out. Now, check it out. They put out a contract uh, last year or two years ago, and it came down to Amazon and Microsoft, right? It was like they were head head to head going for it, going for it, going for it. Microsoft ends up winning. Amazon is pissed. I'm talking, I mean, because it was like $9 billion, right? I, I don't even think it was that much. I think it was like $4 billion or $5 billion or something like that. But Amazon's wicked pissed. They like, they sick their lawyers on it. They're like, this is an outrage. There's no way Microsoft won, like, you know, foul play, whatever. Like, so they, they pitch a fit. And the U.S. government is like, all right, all right, all right, back up. All right, so like, Microsoft gets punched in the stomach because they won this huge contract. I'm sure the suits went out that night and got all up into the high, you know, top shelf liquor because they're like high fiving and stuff. Okay, so they pull that contract back and they recompete it. Now this is the outcome of it. Not only did Microsoft not win the whole thing, but now it's split across all four major cloud platforms. And I say four kind of, um, I say it kind of like goofy because. Google, Amazon, and Microsoft are really the top three, and Oracle is a distant fourth, right? Like, a lot of people don't even know Oracle has, like, cloud. Just like a lot of people don't know IBM has cloud. Like, they tried that Watson marketing campaign, but <clears throat> IBM has cloud, too. But anyways, these four win it. Now, I'm seeing in chat, BSEC saying five went to Microsoft, four went to AWS. So I, I don't know how much is left over here for Google and Oracle to piece through kind of crumbs at the table, but... Two things that I find noteworthy, okay? One, Oracle won part of this contract. So Oracle is coming up. So if you're studying for cloud, if you're looking for cloud, um, and you've already kind of like explored Microsoft or whatever, I do suggest you pick a tech and go with it and get, get smart in one of these techs. But just, it is noteworthy and interesting that Oracle's starting to gain traction and might be worth looking at because it's like, it's like any other, you know, kind of fringe tech, right? Like, like, no one, if there's no one in the space who knows how to use it, um, well, I shouldn't say no one in the space, but like if a business wants to use it and there's no staff who understand how to use it and you're the only person who knows how to use Oracle's cloud, you know, you're very in demand, right? So there's opportunity there. The final thing I'll say, Cynical Jerry, I need a Cynical Jerry uh, sound effect or something like that. I find it interesting, again, complete speculation, completely cynical, Oracle has the TikTok contract, right? All of TikTok's data is in Oracle's cloud. Oracle wins part of this contract. You know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just pointing out those two facts, okay? I'm just pointing out those two facts, okay? So anyways, like I said, this isn't much of a huge um, uh, cyber story, but it will play into the long-term um, long look of um what government looks like and oh this is for department of defense only so this is even more interesting so this is de just dod work which is even more sensitive more national security so 
just, you know, there we go. Apple finally adds encryption to iCloud backups. On Wednesday, Apple unveiled its advanced data protection features, including end-to-end encryption for iCloud backups, as well as iMessage contact key verification, which allows users to verify who they're communicating with. Apple also now allows users to use a hardware security key, such as a USB drive or near-field communication dongles for two-factor authentication to protect their Apple ID account. In addition to iCloud backups, Apple's encryption also now covers contacts, notes, photos, voice memos, and wallet passes. The only data still not covered by advanced data protection are iCloud mail, contacts, and calendar due to compatibility reasons. Advanced data protection is currently in beta in the U.S. and will be made available to all U.S. users by the end of year. The feature will start rolling out globally in early 2023. Oh, this is great. Um, So, again... So this is great. Okay. Apple has touted themselves, marketed themselves as like, we're into privacy. We're into our, um, our customer base. Um, famously the, you know, this is a terrible, uh, triggering kind of event, but like famously the San Bernardino mass shooter incident, uh, his phone was an Apple iPhone and the FBI wanted Apple to unlock it and they, they didn't. And then they wanted Apple to put in a hardware backdoor to all iPhones and Apple pushback. So Apple has a history of, you know, privacy, you know, pro privacy, pro, you know, security, whatever. So most of the world uses Android phones, right? Like the, uh, the percentage is staggering. It's like, it's like huge, huge piece of the pie is Android and a small piece is Apple. But for many Americans, it's Apple products. I don't know what it's like in the UK, but the um i'm happy to see this half of me wonders if apple's rolling out these functionality to comply uh like like what's what's the uh motivation right i mean typically product vendor pro- vendors and products don't put in features just to be like yay look what we did there's usually some type of market demand some request some push some initiative um so i don't know what forced this but I do like, um, obviously, end-to-end encryption for your data protection. So it's protected in transit, obviously, including the backups. I don't use my iCloud for backups. Um, since they do charge for iCloud space after the first five gigs, that could be the reason. They're trying to make that a more uh, appealing market. But long story short, as a security professional, um, if you're using Apple products in your environment and you use iCloud, which I don't know why you would use iCloud as part of your tech stack. But if you do uh, know that there's a lot more functionality features, some of it baked in naturally, some of it you have to probably enable or deploy like the hardware token MFAs, but it's cool. And it's additional functionality. This might be the problem. You know, this is a nice thing to tell your end users about so they can take advantage of it. But this is kind of complicated for a typical end user to consume. Um, So you know, that'll be interesting. I personally am interested in the NFC dongles for my um, MFA. Although I will say what my immediate thought is uh, flipper zero. Um, <laughs> right. The second you see that you're like, oh, I'll just flipper that and, you know, get into people's stuff. So you still need the password. But anyway, security is awesome. And Apple is putting new security in their stuff. Good. CloudSec claims it was hacked by another cybersecurity <laughs> firm. India-based security firm CloudSec says the threat actor gained access to its Confluence server using credentials stolen from one of its employees' Jira accounts. 
While some internal info was exfiltrated from its Confluence wiki, CloudSec says the attackers did not compromise its databases. A threat actor named Sedut, S-E-D-U-T, has leaked some of CloudSec's internal data and is trying to sell what they claim is CloudSec's database, code base, and product docs on various hacking forums. CloudSec CEO Raul Sazi states he believes that a, quote, notorious cybersecurity company that is into dark web monitoring, end quote, is responsible for the attack on CloudSec. CloudSec refused to provide the name of the firm they believe is behind the attack. Uh, <clears throat> all right. I mean, that's a pretty big, that's a pretty big um, accusation to call out a company and say that they're the ones who did it, especially if they're a infosec company designed for whatever, like doing good security services or threat intelligence. Um, I see Dan Reardon dropped a Carl emote. Yeah. I mean, this guy, um, you know, Jira account, stolen creds. We don't know how the creds were stolen, whether they were like dropped into a, a Jira ticket or just crappy passwords, brute force attempt, password reuse. There's a million different ways that this Jira, um, uh, the the Confluence server creds got stolen, um, but it was in the Jira account. So, you know, guys, don't don't document your passwords, please. Like, that use use a password vault or use, you know, an offline notebook if you have like a secure physical facility, but don't document it in your Jira account. Oh my God. Okay. So, um, what I find interesting, so like, okay, so basically someone got creds. This is, this is like cyber attack 101. Someone got the creds. They logged in, took a bunch of screenshots of sensitive information, and they're trying to sell them on the dark web. That's about as vanilla as it gets for a cyber attack. What I find interesting is this dude is claiming that, um, a competitor company did it. Um, but they took some pictures and they're trying to sell it for $10,000 and employee docs for $8,000 each. So, you know, maybe, maybe this, I don't know, a PDF for 8,000. I don't know. Like, I feel like you should bundle it, but, um, Joel Belton, Eric Taylor, uh, the folks who run around on the dark web, like this is going to sound silly, but like dude, 10 grand, like I know 10 grand's a lot to like me as an individual, but like a business, a business is going to risk their entire business for 10 grand. Like that is that you are so dumb. You are really dumb. For real. So either they undervalued the the um the the product they're selling on the dark web or they're idiots. Like dude, 10,000, you're going to rate like think about the risk reward going on here. 10 Gs. Unless they're going to sell it multiple times over and they're trying to make it accessible, right? But like 10,000 doesn't move the needle for a business, right? I mean, that's, I mean, whatever. And then, and then, dude, so 10 grand for a database and then eight grand for a PDF. Like, brah, like, where are you getting your pricing guides from? This seems way overpriced and this seems way underpriced. And I it just, like, why do you think it's a competitor? That's, that's just silly. I, I don't get it. But, um, you know, this is a classic, like, kind of dark web looking, um, Web page, right? User and what they're selling. They give some information. <clears throat> um, let's see. Sassy claims another firm did it. For known for tracking dark web developments, might be behind the breach. Um, 
Uh, yeah, I'm just looking at the story. I mean, it's just, it's a lot of, um, you know, kind of just being pissed and, and for rightly so. I mean, you were, you were compromised and your confluence stuff got taken. Hopefully guys, I mean, there isn't a major story here other than like a firm got breached and, and like, this, like I said, this is like a cyber attack 101, but, um, it happens, you know, tell your developers, you know, here's a, here's a, <laughs> this won't be in the newsletter on Monday, but like, here's a tip. Tell your R&D team, tell your app devs not to document their password. <laughs> oh. Microsoft's November patches continue to break things. According to Microsoft, ODBC connections to some apps may fail after installing the November 2022 Patch Tuesday Windows updates. Microsoft clarified that the issue is associated with connections using SQL Server Driver SQL Serve 32.dll. Microsoft published instructions for customers to diagnose the issue and says it's still working on a fix. In mid-November, Microsoft addressed domain controller sign-in failures, and the company continues to investigate ongoing domain controller freezes and restarts. These issues were also triggered by last month's Patch Tuesday Windows Server updates. All right. So here's the deal. Um, this, is, this is important. Um, the thing you would... Okay, so first of all, ODBC is, and correct me if I'm wrong on the acronym, I Open Database Connection. It's just a generic kind of interface protocol that allows apps to talk to databases. Think of it as like an API except for databases instead of web servers, right? Like that's what ODBC is. Like if you're ever going to connect something and pull something from a database and you're not querying the database directly through a, um, like a, you're logged into the database, you're using an ODBC connection, okay? So actually, this is this is redundant. Saying database connections here is that's what the DBC stands for. Anyways, that aside, if you install the November 2022 Patch Tuesday patch, you could break these ODBC connections. You will know already that it's happening, okay? The second an ODBC breaks, you basically lose access to the backend database, right? So your apps aren't populating with data, right? Um, let me just show you, because this is a fundamental uh, computer science design pattern. Uh, hold on one second. Model view controller. This is a this is a basic, basic standard um, here. Okay. This is the way that, this is the way that modern web apps work. Gmail. I mean, they're more, way more complicated, but like, you know, like Gmail, Microsoft Office Docs, like, Facebook, LinkedIn, whatever. This is it. This is it. It's very basic, okay? This is you. This is your interface right here, the view. Like, that's your web browser. The controller is that, um, you know, the thing that parses between the back-end data and the front-end view, and the model is the database, okay? And you can have different models, but it's just the data, right? You see how this dude, this little figure, does not access the data directly? They access it through the view. That's the... That is the interface between the user and the backend database, and it's controlled through the controller, right? So the controller is what's broken here in this Patch Tuesday patch thing. So my point is, you will know full well if your ODBC connections are broken because this whole thing collapses on itself, okay? So anyways, long story short, if, if you're being impacted by this, I'm sure your phone is already wrong. I'm sure you've already got a high, you know, high severity ticket, um, here are some errors if you want to dig in, but if people are messaging you, uh, and saying, Hey, things aren't working, then, um, this could be it. Okay. So just be mindful of that. Um, yep.
And now, a word from our sponsor, FlexTrack. All right. The FlexTrack platform is your offensive security team's secret weapon. Build better reports in half the time, centralize your data, maximize your reusable content, and become more efficient and effective. FlexTrack clients report a 5x ROI in one year, a 30% increase in efficiency, having cut their report cycle by 65%, and experienced an 18-22% to 22% time savings per engagement. Check out plextrack.com slash CISO series to learn how PlexTrack can help your team deliver results. That's P-L-E-X-T-R-A-C dot com slash CISO series. All right, get ready to la la la. All right, guys, it is Thursday, which means it's Thursday meme of the week. We'll get to that in just one minute. I want to thank all of you for being here, 168 of you, 173 of you. Great community, great networking. I see you all in chat. Keep it up. You guys are doing wonderful. Again, thank you to Barricade Cyber Solutions and Recon InfoSec for supporting the stream. I love those organizations. I will never partner with an organization that I don't think is awesome. Reminder, um, the newsletter. Uh, some people talk about it. I talk about it from time to time. Um, I, do, I write an email every single Saturday morning and send it out to anyone who subscribes to this newsletter. And it has three pieces of actionable intel that you can literally copy and paste and do something that reduces cyber risk for your organization. Uh, typically through awareness for your end users, for your you know peers, usually IT, and your executives. So giddy up on that. There's about 2,000 people on that newsletter right now. I'm very proud of it. I always re um, ref it. Guys, it is Thursday. I'm wearing a blue. Lima Charlie is a blue team technology. I want to remind everybody that on Thursdays, my good friend Eric Capuano leads an open discussion at Recon InfoSec at their Thursday defensive webcast. This is basically a Zoom call, uh, but it's wicked chill. Um, they always have guests. Who's today's guest? Today is Andrew Morris. Okay, Andrew Morris. I'm not familiar with Andrew Morris. Next week's Brian Kincannon from Echo Trail. Um, guys, if you haven't been there, I've seen Carrie there. I've seen some other folks there. Um, this is a very cool initiative. They've been doing it for a few months. I, I jump in there. I mean, I contribute sometimes when, um, you know, if I have something to say. I was the first guest, which is pretty cool. This is definitely worth checking out. It's 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 12.30 um central time because they are in austin texas i'll drop a link in chat if you're looking to like be, you know network with the team it's very blue focused it's very cool people i recommend checking it out at least once it doesn't cost anything you just you just dump into a 30 minute zoom meeting it's cool okay oh i see yeah i got the i got the ice cream shirt uh joel don't sweat that i got it um all right, guys, I want to share the Thursday meme of the week. Okay, guys, this one, I'm telling you, he's outdone himself this year. I mean, this 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 time around. Ready? Here we go. Dan Reardon's. All right. 12 cups of coffee, 11 straight cash homies, 10 Carl's, 9 spices, 8 Elon's, 7 Oprah's, 6 high heartness, 5 dumpster fires, 4 this is fine, 3 crypto evangelists, 2 chief Wickham's, and a Jerry in a pear tree. All right, this is so good. Thank you, Haircut Fish. Thank you, Dan Reardon. Um, just a, a, a wonderful meme. This is so good. Um, I appreciate it. So, 
Thank you, everybody, for uh, happy holidays. You know, so on brand. And this is, yeah, chef's kiss. Mm, very nice. Let's get those la-la-la-las. And then the abrupt change back to the news, right? Here we go, guys. Get ready. La-la-la. And then back to the news. Watchdog reveals UK agency use of unsupported applications. The UK's National Audit Office has revealed that nearly one-third of applications used by the Department for Environment, Food, and Rural Affairs are unsupported. The issue, which is commonly referred to as tech debt, means that apps can no longer receive security or software updates. DEFRA provides critical services related to disease prevention, flood protection, and air quality, and a major cyber incident could have severe consequences. The NAO concluded that while DEFRA is taking steps to address urgent system risks and vulnerabilities, it lacks an adequate digital transformation plan. The government has provided DEFRA with £366 million, roughly equivalent to $445 million, to make IT investments over the next three years. All right, so check this out. Um, this is interesting, okay? So UK government using unsupported apps. Now, this is a real problem, and we are going to take a minute here because this is one of those topics, one of those pieces of knowledge that you don't learn in a textbook, okay? You don't learn it in a textbook, but it, it's so true, and if you've lived it, you know how painful it is, okay? Um, here's the deal. It's called tech debt, all right? And it can manifest in a couple ways, but it absolutely sucks. Tech debt is basically unsupported applications, legacy technology, in-house developed technology. And I'm going to give you a couple examples. But as a cybersecurity practitioner, tech debt is the worst, okay? I mean, there's there's worse, right? Like remote desktop opening the internet's the worst. But <coughs> tech debt is bad. You It doesn't get... Um, security uh, it doesn't get security patches right a b uh welcome to the squad terrence billingsley it doesn't get uh security patches um you don't have a like knowledge trust or or knowledge or, like no one at the company knows how to use the tech anymore right you you don't have that skill potentially and year over year it gets more and more uh less likely because it's just an uh, out out of date tech like like, oh, hey, we have Novell Network here, or we have COBOL here, right? Does anyone here, does anyone here do COBOL? No? Oh, oh, I don't know. Okay, so here's the problem with tech debt. It oftentimes is a business, uh, uh, hey, thanks for the squad support. It's oftentimes a, um, a it's oftentimes um, uh, some business application, right? Like no one in the security team's like, oh, hey, can we use, um, you know, whatever, like some out of date security technology. I can't, I don't have an example right now. Uh, Microsoft baseline security policy analyzer or whatever, right? So it's always a business app. It always somehow has some type of like mission critical capability associated with it. And the business doesn't want to turn it off. And you can't get funding or support or budget in order to replace it. And it's a project to replace it. Okay, so here, I, I really want to spend just a minute on this. Okay, guys, here's the deal. 
Here is how tech debt can occur. And I want you to know these indicators of comp. I mean, these to me are really indicators of compromise, but it's like a slow moving train more than like a hot, hot threat actor attack or something like that. Okay. And it's not really compromise. It's just, it's bad. Okay. So if someone in your department, IT apps, whatever, like comes up with a cool little Microsoft access database that does something, or they write some little script that does something, whatever. And they're like, Oh, I did this thing. It cost $0 you know, CEO, it costs $0, but it does the thing that we need. Okay, that's fine. But you as a security practitioner should say, yo, that's awesome. I'm wicked happy for you. High five. Who's going to support this thing? How long is it going to be support for? Oh, no, 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 no. Don't, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Like, it's fine. It's fine. No, it's not fine. Tell me who's going to support it. And if this is a temporary fix, because that's oftentimes what they say, oh, it's just a temporary thing, just to get us over the hump, just to get us through the calendar year until the fiscal year budget resets. Yeah, okay. Well, then how about I? you should check month over month with them or quarterly. Hey, are we still tracking this thing? Is this thing still supported? Because what will happen is... Either the person who developed it will leave the company and no one knows what the hell is going on anymore. Or B, they'll go on to another project because this thing is just doing what it does. No big deal. They go on to other projects and somebody else inherits this thing and they don't know what it is. And they, you know, so you you need, okay. And then they're like, all right, so you made this application. We really need to uh, buy a commercial product that does this. How much does that cost? Oh, now we got to get budget. And you're trying to make an argument to the executives that you need budget to buy something to provide a service that you already have in place, right? You're trying to say, we need to spend $40,000 to buy this tech that makes this widget flip-flop. And they're like, the widget already flip-flops. It's like, yeah, because you wrote some Python script that does that. That thing is unsupported. Like, stop it, right? So you got to make that argument. And then... Like it's just it's it's bad. It's bad, okay? And then and then I've seen this also, final thing, rant, and then I'll get off this box. The the other thing I have seen is like the, you've got this application. Finally you convince them to invest in a in a viable supported commercial product, right? So they're like, all right, we're gonna do that, and then they migrate to the commercial product. And then they don't turn off the old one. And you're like, shut the old one down. And they're like, oh, we need it for like legacy support. There's data in there. We need to be able to query that data set. And it's like, oh my God, then put it in read only and tell me, tell me how long do you need to be able to query it? Is it six months? Is it 12 months? Is it 18 months? What is it? And then put it, put a line in the sand. And as, as much as it's unfair to us as security practitioners, sadly, it falls on us to be vigilant, to be that thorn in the side to say, Hey, it's been, it's been six months on this 18 month roadmap. Where are we with sunsetting this thing? Hey, it's 12 months. Where are we with sunsetting this thing? And I'm telling you what, be careful. Cause you will get apathetic and you'll be like, like F it. I don't care. Like just whatever, let this whole place burn. No one listens to me. Right. So just be mindful. You could, you could, uh, get some pushback. You could get, um, especially larger organizations. Oh my God. So anyways, that's just a long way to say that tech debt, tech debt's a real thing and it's gross and you need to keep an eye on it. You need to convince management to fund uh, replacements. And then you need an actual project team with PMs and staff committed to 
actually migrating off the tech debt and eliminating or eliminating fully the tech debt. Thank you. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. FFT and ransomware account for bulk of cyber insurance claims. According to figures from Corvus, fraudulent funds transfer, or FFT, and ransomware caused the most financial damage in 2022, accounting for more than 50% of insurance claims. FFT accounted for an all-time high 36% of all claims this year. There were fewer ransomware claims in the first half of 2022 compared to the second half of 2021. However, the rate of data exfiltration increased by 25% over the same period. The prevalence of FFT highlights the growing effectiveness of business email compromise scams, with FFT representing 70% of all BEC-related claims. The average FFT claim was significantly lower than ransomware due to the fact that such incidents typically don't include costs of data restoration, system recovery, business disruption, or breach response efforts. Yep. All right. So I haven't heard FFT before. I don't know if you've heard FFT as an acronym. I haven't heard it. <clears throat> Excuse me. Jesus. But it's business email compromise. That's probably what you've heard. Business email. Holy crap. Business email compromise is uh, the, is business email compromise and ransomware, of course, are going to account for most of the cyber insurance claims. They are by far and large the most prevalent cyber attack right now. And do you know why? Straight cash, homie. That's right, Randy. Straight cash, homie. You get paid, right? Threat actors are, are criminals, dude, and they're sophisticated at this point, and they know how to get to the cashish. So this is not surprising me, okay? Real quick, ransomware, everybody knows about it. It is the media darling of cyber attacks, but business email compromise, aka uh, fraudulent fund transfer, as they call it in this story, is really a close second and kind of like a... You know, like Scottie Pippen to ransomware's Michael Jordan, if you will. If you will grant me that and let me age myself. Kids, Google that. It, you'll, it'll make sense, okay? Business email compromise is where you trick a business into giving you money. These numbers are actually pretty accurate. So put this into your, uh, in the back of your head. Um, $90,000 is the average business email compromise uh, financial impact to an organization, meaning that on average, 90 grand goes out the door. 256,000 is the average cost of a ransomware incident, which includes paying the ransom potentially, lost business, um, hiring, you know, barricade cyber to come in and help you with IR and all that other stuff. 90 grand, obviously it's less, but it's a way more simpler crime. And honestly, uh, I'm, I bet you more businesses get hit with business email compromise than ransomware. In fact, I'd actually love to see metrics, just pure hit count. How many incidents of fraudulent fund transfer occurred in 2022 versus ransomware? I bet you there's more uh, business email compromise. And that's just the ones that call it out. Dude, Like I know businesses for a fact that have been hit by business email compromise and they just ate it, right? Like 36 grand. Ooh. But they just moved on, which, by the way, gets back to why that $10,000 for the database story early was stupid. Like, like $10,000 a lot to individuals, but to businesses, that's, not, that's nothing. So anyways, 
Business email compromise, fraudulent fund transfers can happen a couple different ways just to educate people. You can get into someone's email and then pretend to be the CEO and say, send money. That's the kind of the classical business email compromise attack. You can also get into email and uh, wait for a transaction to go across the wire, not a transaction go across the wire, but for an invoice to come in from a vendor to accounts payable and then jump into the email and change the PDF to have a different account business account number or say, hey, like, hey, we got a new uh, check, a bank account. Here's the updated information. Please send the money this way. Once the money goes, it's gone. That's another way for it to happen. Um, dude, like, it's it's basically just like straight ro like robbery. Ransomware is more complicated. There's negotiations, all this other stuff. Business email compromise is like sticking your hand in someone's, uh, you know, in the register and taking money out essentially or convincing the cashier to give you money okay so um business email compromise happens all the time i have read like final thing on this i have read cyber insurance um policies where the ransomware stuff is written out a very hey thanks dennis for the sub uh i've read cyber insurance policies and i encourage you if you are in charge of information security at your business or you're in the grc space you should ask general counsel for a copy of the insurance policy and then review it yourself. Uh, chances are you'll be, if you're on the GRC side or if you're a CISO, you will be involved in reviewing and responding to cyber insurance policy um, requests because nowadays cyber insurance companies won't just write you a policy. They want to know what your information security posture is. Do you do MFA? Do you educate your end users? Do you have EDR? Like all these things because they won't even write you a policy anymore if your information security is terrible. They're like, hell no, you are too risky. You are radioactive. You are so dumb. You are so dumb. <laughs> right, so they won't write you a policy what at all. Um, but read the policy. Get familiar with the policy. Usually the ransomware stuff is kind of vague and, and generic and it speaks a little bit about it. The 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 um the parts of the policy around business email compromise, the ones I've read, I've read two, are explicit. Like you will have processes in place. If you don't follow the processes, you cannot claim the insurance policy uh for being made whole. Like it's it's they it happens a lot. So they are very, very prescriptive in the policies around business email compromise. Thank you. New ZeroBot malware leverages an array of exploits. A new Go-based malware named ZeroBot was first spotted in mid-November and exploits 21 vulnerabilities across numerous devices, including F5 Big IP, Zixel firewalls, TotalLink and D-Link routers, and Hikvision cameras. ZeroBot scans networks and self-propagates to adjacent devices with the goal of adding compromised devices to a distributed denial-of-service botnet. Researchers indicate that since November, a new version of ZeroBot has emerged with improved obfuscation and exploit capabilities, signaling that the malware is under active development. Hmm. It's interesting. That's interesting. So this is a um, basically a piece of malware written in Go. You might find it in your environment. It exploits um, D-Link. So from my experience, D-Link is a network device. Zixel, uh, Zixel might make networking devices, but I do know that they make network attached storage devices. Uh, Big IP is a networking device company. So they're exploiting networking devices. They get in, uh, oh, Zixel firewalls, there we go. They get in through exploitation, which means you can have the thing configured perfectly. Wicked strong admin account, um, least privileged, the works. 
and they can still get in because of a vulnerability. So keep your stuff patched or um, not on the internet if you can't if you can help it. And all it does is it's building a botnet in order to do distributed denial of service attacks. Pretty straightforward. Um, what's interesting is it's called. See, we don't really use the term virus and worm anymore in industry. Um, yeah, I, I agree. These are more consumer-based uh, devices, not um, enterprise, you know, or, or business devices. Which, which makes sense because now, like, it's even more likely that you know you get compromised and you don't even notice and you don't do anything about it. So these guys are amassing a huge botnet. It kind of reminds me of Mirai, honestly. I know it 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 finds devices differently, but it just kind of gave me Mirai vibes. Um, anyways, the thing gets in and it starts moving laterally, looking around um, to see if it can attack any other devices, right? I find this is an interesting bit of um, functionality, right? So if it finds other Zixel devices on your network, which by the way, is not completely ridiculous, right? Because you you probably, you could, you'd be like, oh, I use this Zixel firewall. It's a good firewall. I'll buy a couple of them, right? Or Hikvision um, webcam, or not webcam, but you know, surveillance cameras. Oh, I use those, like buy a pack of five at Costco. No big deal. So um, I find that interesting. You could see here, um, here are the uh, exploits that it, I mean, the vulnerabilities that it exploits. Thanks, Jeremy Williams. I appreciate that. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. Love it, love it, love it. So, you know, whatever. Check it out. If you have any of these devices on your network, you might want to check it out. Um, again, if this is a consumer product and the consumers aren't going to be running like a SIM, <laughs> right? Like, I'm Kathy doesn't run a SIM uh, at her house. So you're not going to see the C2 traffic. But if you are using any of these in your business, you should be looking for... Um, these type of indicators of compromise. Um, this could be an actually kind of an interesting little lab. Um, an interesting lab where you kind of set up the lab and then if you could get a copy of this zero bot and then put it in and kind of see how it functions, that would be interesting. I'm almost wondering if uh, malware bazaar zero bot, I wonder if you could download it. I'm just curious. This is malware bazaar. It's a it's a database. Don't download malware unless you know what you're doing. Seriously, um, that's just like a. Um, I'm looking for zero bot. All right, I don't see any zero bot here at this. So, nope, no zero bot in malware bazaar. So I guess that's not happening. But anyways, let's move on. It's it. It is interesting. The final thing I'll, I guess I'll say about this is like, why are they doing that? Probably to sell distributed denial of service capability, but who knows? The final story looks good. I just saw the, the title of it. Um, Francisco makes U-turn on killer robots plan. Yeah. We reported last week on cybersecurity headlines that San Francisco's city legislators passed a proposal to authorize police to kill suspects using robots equipped with lethal weapons. Protesters and several dissenting board members gathered on the steps of City Hall to call for the city to reverse its decision. On Tuesday, the board did just that in a secondary vote, which normally serves to rubber stamp board decisions. The original proposal will now be refined or entirely scrapped. It's important to note that this type of lethal robot is already in use in other parts of the U.S. And that does All right. So a couple things about this one. We covered this story just the other day um about lethal robots and i lost my mind about why do they need to be lethal the whole reason that law enforcement carry guns is to is to deal with 
um, you know, life-threatening threats to protect themselves and to incapacitate and to protect others and stuff like that, right? The robot doesn't have life. So you don't need it. Like if, if a bad guy shoots the robot, the robot just keeps moving or it, it, it breaks and they send another robot. No harm, no foul, right? It sucks for taxpayers. But you don't need to give this thing lethal capabilities for it to do its job to incapacitate, disoriented. You could have it drop a smoke bomb or, a, or, or some type of knockout gas, right? The robot doesn't breathe either. So it doesn't need lethal capability. Now, I'm, I appreciate that people flipped out about this and that they pushed back and that they've changed the approach and they're reevaluating what is the actual objective of the, the robot cop in the scheme of law enforcement, right? Okay, so I appreciate that. I do want to point out, I referenced Ed 209 when we talked about that story and how this thing failed. Um, I want to address, like, so someone in chat comments told me that uh, I should, like, I didn't know the whole story and I was misinformed and I was actually doing a disservice by referencing sci-fi movies from the 80s um, when we're talking about 2022 and modern uh, robots and that I needed to get informed or get educated. Uh, To that person, um, I was just using this as a funny reference and um, obviously, this was a movie and a cinematic, fi- you know, fictionalization of a police. However, conceptually, you can see the easy um, line between these two, right? It's not far fetched, you know. So, I'm I'm glad that they did this. Um, one interesting thing that they dropped in the story here is that these robots with lethal capabilities are in use in other parts of the country. So, this was just in San Francisco. Um, you know, so, and and by the way, we're just talking about the robots, um, exercising lethality. That's assuming that the the robot works perfectly. The thing runs on software, right? Software can be, um, poorly written. It could misunderstand. It could be weaponized. It could be hacked. Um, you know, the robot definitely has some type of radio capability in order to see where it is, maybe to send commands, maybe to get updates, right? So it's not far-fetched. People are hacking Teslas. People are hacking Jeep Cherokees. It's not far-fetched to hack a robot cop, right? And, And like I said, Ed 209, perfect example. In the movie, if you guys don't know what this is, this was supposed to replace police officers with robots and it doesn't sleep, it doesn't eat, it's it's wicked awesome. And in the demonstration, the guy holds a gun to it and it says, drop the weapon or I will terminate you or whatever. And the guy throws the gun down and then it's like, drop the weapon. And he's like, I did drop the weapon. And Ed 209's like, drop the weapon. And he's like, ah, and then he starts running away and then Ed 209 just blows him away, right? Wicked graphic scene, but it it, it illustrates the point of what, like, again, it's a movie, I get it, but it illustrates the point that technology isn't human, right? Obviously, it doesn't, It you know, it can have flaws, it can have issues. Humans can have issues too, but we have society to help shape that. We have education. <sighs> All right, so that's going to do it for the stream today. Let me go ahead and get my funky music on. All right, guys. If you're still with us, thank you so much for being here. That does it for the news show today. I hope you got some value out of it. If you did, take one second, scroll down and hit that like button. It does go a long way, and I genuinely appreciate it. I did enjoy losing my mind on... (laughs) I enjoyed losing my mind on Tech Debt and Lethal Robots. So that's a good time. If it was your first time here today, 
This is what the show is, y'all. This is pretty much what we do every single morning. Hundreds of people networking, supporting each other, sharing stories, and getting smart on the top cybersecurity news stories of the day. I love it. I love it. I love it. Thanks so much, Tom Hathcote, for the sub. Whoops. Yes. Oh, hey, Luis. Welcome. I hope you enjoyed your first day today, uh, and I hope you come back tomorrow. Guys, remember Thursday Defensive. I'll drop the link in chat. 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time. I'll be there. It's just a good time. Have a good one, Tom Bishop. Have a good one, Anthony. I'm going to send you guys out. Oh, my gosh. Are you kidding me, Justin Gold? Keith Urban's movie Dread is fantastic. You want to talk about a, a hidden gem? A sleepy hit? Oh, I love that movie. That's such a great movie. Thank you, Jenny Housley. Thank you, Nathan Bullen. Everybody have a wonderful day. We will see you tomorrow at 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Oh, oh, I forgot to tease something for the uh, people who are still here. I forgot to tease this. I'm sorry. I always, guys, if I had my crap together, I would be much more <laughs> organized, but I just have so much going on. Later today at 4.30 p.m. Eastern Time, today, in a few hours from now, today, Chris Luft of Lima Charlie, coincidentally, I'm wearing their shirt right now, that's a coincidence. That's not on purpose. <laughs> Chris Luft of Lima Charlie is coming on the stream. We're going to have a fireside chat with him. The guy has done a startup. Lima Charlie just got something like $5 million in investment dollars. Um, they were work like, I think they bootstrapped um, initially. He's going to share his story, tell you all about what it's like to work at a tech startup, uh, answer your questions. We're going to talk about Cybersecurity Cares, the. Um, the uh, charity that uh, Simply Cyber, Lima Charlie, Recon InfoSec, and a bunch of other businesses are uh, supporting. We're doing a live t uh, telethon, 12-hour telethon. Simply Cyber is going to be involved with that. We're going to be talking about all of it. So if you're all about good times and you want to hang out, come today at 4.30 and learn about that, that lifestyle, man. It's not for everybody. Security tech startup. You can move fast, but there's risk involved. So it's worth, I don't know, it'll be a fun conversation. Hopefully you can join us. That's going to do it for today's stream. Guys, we will see you today at 4.30. Or if you're just a news person, we'll see you at 8 a.m. tomorrow morning. Be good, everybody.